Hello, Kirk Noslu here from the Bepretort. Safe for the recording industry, safe for the moral values of America, and safe for your listening pleasure. You can relax, America. We in the BH are safe for you. Let my home back in Omaha. See if I can make it out in the world. And I got as far as Wichita. Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore. Lost all my friends in Los Angeles. I'm not welcome in New York But I must start back in Omaha Yeah, we're starting. You can, you can take us the in. the they always crying out Alright, in that case, welcome to Oh my god. Uh, black ones are welcome in history. Welcome to Welcome if I've ever heard it. Well, that was... Yes, that's the setting. I'm Greg, and you'll notice it because, um, that I have the most amazing voice in the world, and that's because I'm recording this show, because Greg is not in this country. Ooh. He's hacking into satellite feeds. I bring you greetings. In Scandinavian lands. From the country of the Vikings. Say, say hello in Norwegian, Hi at there. least, Greg. Give us a little flavor. Give us a taste. Um, welcome in. Actually, that's what I should not. The right. Welcome is in. That... It is. That's welcome. Oh, welcome okay. is welcome in. Yes. Um, I don't know yes, that that's indeed. accurate, but everything else. Have you ever seen yes, in the I'm movie in Alien? For conference, and so I'm in a hotel Android. lobby at three thirty, so I have to be quiet. So yeah. Yes. So he's going to be quiet right. while we map. I was just talking about Bishop, <laughs> the uh, the android from the movie Alien, who <laughs> bleeds milk or Vilkomen if you're from Norway. Uh, anyway. I have a couple things right. real quick. I do quick. remember that movie, but I don't remember that. Off the bat. Yeah. We did okay. get an email this week from our old pal, David Renich, who signs off on the email hey, that he sent me dude. as David Renich, parentheses, MepReport number 30, because that is who he is from now on. He is the guy from <laughs> MepReport 30. He is MepReport Mep Mep number 30. So That's he wrote in... Commenting on 78 to say that called it the best MEP report ever. He said, Not only did we see the return of J Date, but you had some great Star Wars discussion too. That's why I'm writing. I regret to inform you that Chewbacca died in 1999. He says, The 99 novel Vector wow. Prime by R.A. Salvatore, which is the first in the New Jedi Order series, marks Chewbacca's final appearance in the Star Wars universe. He sacrifices his own life to save that of Solo's son, Anakin, from a collision between the planet Semperdal and one of its moons. Um, afterward, the other core Star Wars characters are emotionally crushed by the loss, and Solo sinks into alcoholism and depression. And then Lumpwaru and Lobaka... <laughs> Gets Prozac in the ill-fated sponsored episode of Star Wars. Right. The uh, ill-fated 95th book. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the, the little Wookiees... Star Wars 95. <laughs> yeah, would the, actually, the series really would pay good money hit after that. To see Han Solo no spiral into depression. Yeah, I would exactly. pay good money to see that. And then Leia that, that starts prostituting herself because she becomes a meth addict and it's, it's really just... Oh, man. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. He's like, I'm, I'm done with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like, um, see what so happened wow. last time. Whew. So apparently Chewbacca died in well, the good. unsanctioned did, sequel. And so he can't die 700 years later as we projected in MEP Report 78. 
Dave Renich, I'm glad to okay. know that right, um, I am far, far away in, from the best map report ever. That's good. The best map report ever is to find oh, it. Oh, jeez. That, that where I don't appear. <laughs> I was just going to say, we could make the argument that since we gave him 80 full minutes of map report, that that would have been the best map regardless of who was on it, because oh, it was like true. bonus extra map. I do always so, ad advocate for extra I time. So. Okay, I like that mm -hmm. explanation much more than <laughs> now that that story character is out of the way, we can have the best show ever. Um, sorry, other bit of news real quick was that I was on the Onion website today um, looking through their the log of their video reports, and, and guess which one no longer <laughs> appears in the archive. Guess which one? Civil War reenactors. Civil War reenactors has been redacted oh, by hmm. theonion.com. Probably in response to my quasi-menacing phone call. We want to thank you for your <laughs> lobbying campaign, Map fans, to <laughs> shut down the Onion. Um, threatened suit. That's right. Wait, things. stop for a second. Did you just say quasi-threatening phone call? How was your phone call yeah. quasi-threatening? In that he I said, said that we came up with the idea first, and fine. I have kidnapped no children problem. of uh, website <laughs> exactly. people before to gain promotion for us. <laughs> That's right. So you should watch where you step. I had forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I see. Okay. We still have That's the niece of Odeo CEO, don't we? We never gave her back, I don't think. That's true. Well, yeah. she's part of the crew now. We've brainwashed well, her pretty, pretty thoroughly. Exactly. Yeah, she doesn't want to go back. She and no. Patty Hearst really love our, our show. Stockholm Syndrome. Exactly. So, <laughs> now, fans, just so you know, yeah, so. the yeah, MEP report it. remains your only source for Civil War reenactor reinforcement to Iraq stories. And we will remain there your you only go. source for that You came to the right topic. place. <laughs> you know, it's we should, uh, though. You you it's the right comedy place. in the clutch garbage and replace it with that phrase. <laughs> your, your only, only source. source underlined and starred. <laughs> your one-stop shopping for Asterisk, Civil War reenactors. Previously the less popular of two sources, but they stole it from us and withdrew. I have to say I was a little disappointed <laughs> that of the, the uber-like legalities of The Onion that rather than return my phone call and have a discussion with me about whether we would allow them to do that or not, they just opted for the, screw it, we'll come up with good stuff later, let's just get rid of this yeah. show so nobody can ever say anything ever again. That's, well, that's kind of disappointing. Deniability, right? They don't want to admit that they did anything wrong, they just want to be like, you know, even, it's like when I get a parking ticket, you know, when I argue a parking ticket in New York and I get something back saying, you know, this is, the ticket has been dismissed having nothing to do with the merit of your claims. Like, right, it has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, your police officer was drunk and, you know, gave himself a ticket before he gave me five right. in a two-minute period. You know, it has everything to do with the fact that um, you just feel no, like being nice won, today. Um, you won so they ticket, always are going to deny ticket it, redemption yeah. pinball that day. They have this secret game when the officers right, are bored exactly. in the basement of the New York Police Department where they put everybody's tickets in a in a wheel and pick seven, and those are get dismissed for no reason. Certainly has nothing to do with merit or exactly. admission of wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. You guys know that I was in, uh, in fact, that's a big win. Traffic court a couple weeks ago, right? I told you about that. No, I was just going to ask you about that. I was going to bring. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, uh, California is so stupid. I mean, I could tell the whole story, but the funny thing was when I went the first time to traffic court for this was that's a failure story. to stop. The California stupid at a stop sign. <laughs> it is stupid. The fr it's not even as if the first time you show up, you can even get it over with. That's your quote unquote arraignment because I really need an arraignment for my failure to stop infraction, which is not a crime <laughs> at all. So I have to go up there, waste five hours of my day, so I can either say guilty, not guilty, or 
no contest, which is actually or, a choice. Or, ahem, or not guilty by reason of insanity. Come on. Right. That's, <laughs> right. that's a perfectly good, good reason for not stopping your car. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. what they would you do in that case insane. is... They would cancel the ticket and then revoke my driver's license immediately. So that's a problem. It's and, like, wait, you're and, insane. And incarcerate you in a hospital. But hey, you wouldn't have to but pay But no ticket. No, no ticket. ticket. The no Eyes contest the thing, though. Eyes on the prize. Is it, what is this? Is this a murder <laughs> trial or is it a traffic ticket? Like, who can, No contest? Speaking of, what, are you going to reduce my sentence if I plead no contest? I'll make a deal with the fucking DA? Like, what? It's yeah, a traffic ticket. <laughs> No contest. Like, well, we could give you this, but instead, manslaughter too. If you take that, we'll have you serve the minimum. How's that sound? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, All right. I actually, I actually kind of disagree with you, Russ. I think I would go the other way. I think it makes more sense to do non no contest on something small. It's like murder. Ah, no contest. Why? Why would I? Why would I be concerned about that? I wouldn't want to contest that. Now traffic. I, so you know, I actually, I actually see it the other way. I also just fail to understand no the whole the, uh, the whole term. I don't get it. To me, no contest. Like if you have you have a boxing match, and the two guys are sitting there refusing to punch each other <laughs> because they're both corrupt yeah. and they've been paid off by somebody, then literally That's the no term contest. for that is the referee calls off the fight. It's a no contest, and both guys get a like a disqualification, and that's what it means. Yeah. So in the right. context of a of a, well, a courtroom. It's not. It's not like you automatically lose. It means that nothing ever happened. You never even were there. It's like you deny ever having been there. It's not. I lose no contest. It's right. Everybody loses. So what the hell? <laughs> it's a. You don't ask. I don't tell. I just give you some money. Something happened here. There's been a legal event. We don't know what the event was, but it's just a legal event, and that's all that you know anyone ever need know. I mean, you know, it, it is. It is sort of the. It's sort of the mulligan of the legal world, Russ. It's kind of. It's kind of the legal mulligan for everyone. It's concerned. the mulligan where you, know, you pay no money. One has to do a trial. No one has to do anything. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not ticket. a completely scot-free mulligan because you I obviously like the mulligan know that you are guilty away when you and forgets everything that ever happened involving that case. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you don't admit guilt, That's and they don't no have chance, to bother trying no you, and, you know, it's, it's favorable outcomes for certain, you know, for most people. I guess. Well, well, as you guys probably could have guessed, yeah. I was willing to fight you this pled. to the bitter end, because... Uh, <laughs> what a shock. You wanted to avoid no contest. Screw right. you! Right. Um, so basically, I, I got my trial date, I got there that day, you know, let's say 80% of the policemen for their infractions didn't show up and so all of those people got off their tickets my guy showed up right and i was like good i was ready for this i prepared i'm glad he's there good bring it so um <laughs> he gives his little speech i actually got to cross-examine him which was great that's awesome because Dude, i'm probably be the so only person fun. in the history of this traffic ticket. court who's actually known what they were doing getting to cross-examine someone else because yeah, i saw a guy absolutely. before while i was sitting there he got to cross-examine his cop he's like so when you pull me over how fast i was going and the guy was like 78 so how fast i was going 78 so you say i was going 70 yeah you were going 78 okay <laughs> and that was it <laughs> just wanted to be clear I just wanted to be really convincing. Don't change your mind now. How fast? On the gun. Okay, you looked on gun number. How fast was I going? Are you absolutely sure? Don't leave room for doubt. What if I ask you in Spanish? Yeah. That's funny. So I got up there, and I really, I really took it to him. So I'm like, so you said, officer, that you have had 10 years of uh, experience with your radar gun. Is that right? He said, yes. And I said, did you use radar when you clocked my speed? He said, no. And I'm like, then 
why did you even mention that you have 15 years of experience with a radar gun? You didn't even use radar. He's like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, so you, you guesstimated, right? He's like, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, and what time? Snap. <laughs> what time did you say the infraction? You said that it was at 8 a.m., but wasn't it actually at 11 a.m.? He's like, oh, oh yeah, it was 11 a.m. I'm like, do you even remember this? This was six months ago. He's like, yeah, I remember then, it. Then you're like, and I'm like, then you're like, isn't it true that you have a drinking problem? He's like, what? He's like, yes, Dustin, I have information right here. <laughs> I prepared some good arguments. I was like, how many tickets would you say you've given out in the last six months since this incident happened? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, would you say 50, 100, 500? He's like, maybe 100. Like, do you think there'd be a better chance, given this is the only ticket I've ever received in my entire life, that I have a better memory of what happened than you, who have given out a hundred oh, tickets since then. He's like, man. He's like, no, I remember. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Why? Cause no. 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 You suck. Well, who are you? The answer to your Why question don't you just is pay no, it? Leave me alone. <laughs> so anyway, then I proceed. Wait, we're not even. Trial? We're not even to oh, the arguments okay. yet. Sorry. So we do the cross examination. <laughs> And then right. I proceed to give the following 8 million arguments. Number one, the judge has, I, I thought, the judge has the prerogative to take context into the situation. The context I presented was, there was not a human being within 100 yards of this incident other than Officer Goldstein. So, you know, obviously there was no chance that I was going to do anything that would harm anyone when I, you know, allegedly rolled over the stop sign at uh, three miles an hour, which was what the whole stupid thing was about. the libertarian train to U.S. court. I like yep. it. <laughs> I sure did. I was like, okay. So first of all, let's take the context. This is a guy with a perfect record. Yeah, completely sorry. perfect record. A train worth no propensity for doing car, bad things. And I was like, he stopped me when he pulled me over. I was sitting at the next stop sign, sitting there. And then he pulls me over. I was sitting there. I stopped for stop signs, man. It's proven. We had a con- I was like, he pulled me over. We had a conversation. I was like, in the conversation, I was like, didn't you see me check both sides of the intersection? Didn't you see me stop? Didn't you see me? He's like, yes, yes. And then we had a semantic argument about what the meaning of actually stopping is. I'm like, man. So anyway, I did that part of it, the context. <laughs> then, you're like, the week, man. Man. <laughs> man. I stopped, yo. And then That's he's like, I, mean I had drugs, stop, man. man. Marijuana. Totally stopped. <laughs> oh, it was like a full um, stop, man. The, the week like before the trial. I was so mad. I was determined to make this guy look like a fool. I, I went back to the intersection the Thursday before the Monday trial. I took a bunch of pictures of everything. Exhibit A. I, was, I did. Gooberman. I did. Exhibit A, sir. I went to Kinko's. I had these great laser-printed oh, awesome. photos that I uh, got with my brand new, brand new used from Craigslist digital camera. Right. <laughs> And I was like, isn't is this a picture of the intersection? He's like, yes. Is this where you were sitting approximately when you were gauging my speed and whether I ran? Yes. Is this? And then I was like, your honor, this is a picture of the intersection. As you can see, it's a four-way stop. Yet, on the east-west side, the east side is a dead end. On the west side, 20 yards up, another dead end. Yet, it's a four-way stop. On what planet do they make a four-way stop? Where no cars go through one side of the intersection. And then, beyond the like, pictures... But it is a four-way stop. And you're like... Yeah, I'm like, yes, it, no! True. And then you're like, no contest. <laughs> then you're ple- you like, no contest. No contest. It's like, <laughs> no, we like, skipped the arraignment. I know. I, I actually did a study. I sat there, guys, for two hours uh, in my car. I looked like a stalker. And or so cop on a stakeout. 
I sat in my car, staring at the intersection, making tally marks on a little piece of paper for each car that went north-south, and which is where I got stopped, and each car that went right. east-west across this intersection. At the end of my two-hour tally, which I presented... You know, the the final report of that tally to the court was one of my pieces of evidence. <laughs> I was like, as you can plainly see, two hours, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., 585 cars going either north or south along Beverly Drive. Going east-west along Duxbury Circle, two cars. Two! An ice cream truck and a patrol vehicle for the town. And this is a four-way <laughs> stop. One of these cops, and he pulled over someone who had already stopped at the stop sign. I ran And then he bought ice cream <laughs> from the truck <laughs> and threw it at the motor vehicle. Threw and I wasn't done, man. And I was like, "Your Honor, this ratio of 290 cars going one way, stopping for one car." Is, is not legal under any circumstances in any district or county or state or town in the United One States. Place. Universe. The All Public the Works Department, the Bureau of Engineers, never, ever <laughs> would allow this to set up. This is an illegal and busted four-way stop. There should not be stop signs here. And furthermore, then I did this thing. I was like, based on a Stanford study, which says that we waste or we use two ounces of gas for every stop. Stanford study. This stop sign <laughs> wastes approximately thirty-eight thousand gallons of gas per year. Miles an hour? Was I going seventy-eight? <laughs> He's like, shut up! It's my turn now. I know. Then I started a revolt. Everyone tore down the courtroom. They're like, yes, it's all bullshit. Everybody's wrong. It's on now. Okay. And so, of course, I lost. <laughs> That's just a given. Well, no, but you have, the to, you have to explain that, though. You have to explain how you The lost. judge was basically like, um, I, I appreciate uh, all this work that you did and the research it put guilty. And I'm like, what? Guilty? What? Wait. Wait a minute. What about all this context? How about reducing the fine? Jesus. <laughs> Guilty. Wait, can I can I still go to traffic school? Guilty. But, but what what he couldn't even answer a question. He was it's not even the same guy. Guilty. Fuck you. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, so basically you gave all this information and the judge was like, I'm very compelled and I'm so compelled that guilty. I mean like, I don't it was like, like why the, even show up? Some explanation. Why bother? No. Yeah. Uh, basically, her argument was that she didn't have the authority to remove a ticket based on an illegal intersection. And I'm like, well, if I went to the Department of Transportation and proved that this intersection, this four-way stop was illegal, and had them remove the stop sign, they wouldn't have any power to get rid of my ticket, would they? And she's like, no. And I'm like, ahem, therefore, shouldn't you get rid of the ticket? <laughs> she's like, guilty. I'm like, fuck! <laughs> I'm thinking about appealing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you threw your fist. And then you look at the computer. I want you to. I yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, is there any refrigerators nearby right. that I may exactly. punch? We brought a portable dorm fridge. Uh, um, <laughs> Russ, I want you to appeal this all the way to the Supreme Court. And I want you to be wearing a member board shirt when you do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important. And then Scalia is going to be like, we will tear out that intersection and those stop signs by force if necessary. Those. I'm seriously thinking about making Overturned. a personal crusade. To remove stop those people, stop overturned. sign. I'm really thinking of doing it. Surely, there's a whole other argument that I made. Energy, I think it I is. Can imagine. The, another argument that I forgot was the only reason the guy was there patrolling this bogus intersection was that the residents 
had complained that people weren't respecting their bogus stop sign, that they obviously wanted to increase their property value by artificially decreasing traffic, whether they, you know, deserved a stop sign or not. So I was like, right. is it really fair to make an example? We're, we're giving me this ticket because he wanted to make an example of me for these people in the community. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go get those people. I'm going to take out their stop sign, and I'm going to sit there and laugh at them all day long while they're doing construction there, pulling out the stop sign. Then I'm going to take the stop sign and put it in my room like a trophy buck. <laughs> and then you're going to be arrested for stealing public property, but you at least feel a little bit I'll make a side and then you'll deal no contest. with the construction workers. You like, no contest! <laughs> no more trials! Stop making my insurance go up! Oh I didn't my do god. It. So I lost. That's it was great. terrible. I mean, that part's not great, but the story's great. I'm sorry that you lost, though. I was actually thinking about whether I could bring an audio recorder into the, the courtroom. I would have really liked to do that. I don't think they allow it. That would be a good basis for appeal. I'm like, look, I brought this in. I have a full recording. <laughs> audio recorders aren't allowed in the courtroom. Why, what was the judge thinking? It's a mistrial. This happen? Mistrial, mistrial. Yeah. Hey, man, when I... When I went to to the uh, to the traffic court to appeal the um, four parking tickets that had been given to me in an hour at two in the morning one night, um, I uh, the, the guy taped our whole thing on a cassette recorder. He just put oh, it yeah. in. He's like, "This is Judge Douglas Malcolm." And I've told the Douglas Malcolm story, haven't I? In the member report, have I done that? You're on the radio. Definitely no, not. So. I'm gonna say. Oh, okay. Well, no. the Douglas Malcolm story. Yeah. So the Douglas Malcolm story basically is like this. So I, I, uh, this is when Clea was um, at Columbia, um, and I used to visit her in Manhattan. I was living up in Boston at the time. This is right. when I was teaching at BU. So I would come down, and as you guys know uh, or can imagine, parking in New York is not the easiest of things to do. Uh, it's extremely difficult. And so I got there once at like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I want to say. And uh, I was trying to find a place to park. I couldn't find something. Finally, I'm like, okay, here's, here's a good place to park. This will work. Now, when I got out of the car, I, saw, I thought that I had plenty of clearance from the hydrant. I thought that I was the requisite, you know, 10, 12 feet, whatever it is you're supposed to be away from the fire hydrant. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was the requisite so I go however in. many feet it's supposed to be. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure whatever it is, I'm far enough away. I would definitely <laughs> well, the requisite the truth four is, I thought it was supposed to, to be 10. 10. For sure. All right, yeah. No, I thought it was supposed to be 10, uh -huh. but as it turns out, not so much. So I come out, and it turns uh, out no that contest. I've gotten a total of, over the night, four, <laughs> yeah, right, four parking tickets, four parking tickets, all of which had been given within an hour of each other for the same infraction. Hmm. Now, it's New York City law that you can't give someone, within a 24-hour period, a ticket for the same infraction. Like, they need to actually have an opportunity to react to the infraction that's been given initially without just pi I mean, like, because otherwise... Or why even just, just be aware of it, You know, perhaps. just being like a... Yeah. I like that rule, yeah. though, that as long Something as they like still that. can keep writing until you show up, they can just write as much as they ticket, 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 boot. Exactly. Toe. You can just camp out and make a year's salary. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Right, this is awesome. Right, yeah, it's, it's it's a great it's it's a great theory, but um, not wasn't going to be. You're going to build so, a whole new so youth center in the Bronx. And I'm like, with those tickets, <laughs> okay, no, with those tickets. So I was like, okay, this is not going to work. So I've got to get, I've got to clearly appeal this. this. is ridiculous. So I drove in one day and I went to the um, center in the Bronx, actually, the traffic center. So first of all, the whole thing, you know, there's a trillion people at one of these traffic courts, and you basically take a number. It's like walking into an expensive deli, except without delicious food and without the sort of, you know. People are just sort of bored. They don't ask you, you know, whether you'd like to get some a bologna sandwich. They just they just basically give you a number and tell Stories you to wait like, three hours. I'd rather be in traffic court. 
than a deli. <laughs> yeah, or or a celery sandwich. Um, a celery sandwich with a side of cheese. Delicious yes. celery um, and bread. Because so, good savory eats are celery sandwiches. That's what vegetarians eat. This message brought to you by the Beef Council. It's either what we eat or celery sandwich. I did do that on purpose. The yeah. famous, so I'll give you plates of random vegetables. So, um, so okay, so I was oh, sitting there Oh, but you know why Story would go to a deli, though? And pickles. Great What's pickles. That? You would I actually do pickles. Pickles, is true. pickles, to be fair. Oh, well, there it goes. I love cucumbers, but I hate pickles. That's the only reason. I, do, I hate the whole oh, well. pickling process. Nothing post-pickling is redeemable. Uh, uh, so sorry. I was waiting there for Carry a couple on. hours, and finally I get, um, I get brought in. And finally they're like, hey, you know, number 658,000. You get brought in? Were you in cups at the time, Greg? Yeah, I get brought in. Were you coming out of your cell? No, no. I I pleaded no contest, and then they allowed me to come in. So you go into this room, and first of all, it's not just you in the room. There's like four other guys there, and there's this judge sitting behind the desk. And this judge is the Honorable Douglas Malcolm. I'm like, Okay, sounds sounds fine. So he's sitting there, and, and there's these guys, and it's sort of the way you described, Russ, about listening to these people beforehand, and the arguments that they were coming up with, just the worst arguments. Like, Look, man, I was only in there for, for, five, for five minutes. He's like, but sir, you were double parked and blocking a fire lane and in front of a hospital. He's like, yeah, but I, it was only five minutes, man. Where am I going to park? Like, you know, where, where, what am <laughs> where I going to park? And the judge is just like, you're right. You know, where are you going to park? park? Case dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, so you got to park, I really wish at that point. You gotta, you gotta find yeah. a have the right you to gotta, like, you gotta do something right sometimes. To park wherever you are. <laughs> you gotta do something. I mean, that's, that's fundamental. So, the, it's in the fucking Declaration of Independence. <laughs> park. It's, it's people are signs. Where am so, I gonna park? <laughs> yes. Where are you going to park? We will all be parked. So the judge finally makes the, the judge is like you know listens to this and finally is like okay you're ridiculous you know no I, I almost wish the judge had the opportunity to just be like and for your participation in such a terrible way I've tripled your fine you're an idiot get out of my office so he didn't do that he was just like whatever so finally comes my turn and so I get up and and the whole thing now remember he's in this small room I'm sitting on this plastic chair you know it's like sort of going to the principal's office right. And the guy's doing the whole thing of it. Raise your right hand. Do you swear to tell the truth? I'm like, oh my god, dude! You're sitting behind. I'm sitting on a plastic chair. What do I have to like? Okay, fine. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, you know. And and he's and he's got a cassette recorder. He's like, you know, this is Douglas Malcolm, the Honorable Judge Douglas Malcolm, blah 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 blah. And he's like, okay, what's the substance of your complaint? He's like, well, you know, I got these four tickets, and they were all given within an hour, and that's illegal, and I can't do it. He's like, well, do you deny? You know, he's like, and he, everything he said was just like, do you deny that what you've said here is, you know, deny this? He said, do you deny the veracity of the officer's claims? I'm like, while I know what veracity yes. means, I don't think you should be using that for a traffic ticket. I'm like, yes, I am aware of the veracity of his claim. I am no, in no way am I ever someone who wishes to be disingenuous. And I believe the contextualization of, okay. Anyway, and now so we we're playing Thomas big Bain word bingo. for a half hour. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he's doing this Fundamental in front of a rights of man to park. tape recorder and plastic chair. So I'm like, you know, four tickets and whatever. He's like, okay. He's like, so do you deny it? I'm like, well, I don't. De-. I was like, first of all, I don't deny it except that I don't think that I was that, you know, I think I was far enough from the hydrant. The yellow paint had been rubbed off. I couldn't see that. Plus, you can't give me four tickets in a, in a you know, less than 24-hour period. He's like, he's like, well, unfortunately, you must, you must uh, pay. He said something like, you must be 
you must accept the fine that will be leveled upon you. He's like, I am Mr. Passive Voice. You, must, you, must, you will have accepted the fine that will have been labeled against you and is leveled upon your personage at the time. And I was like, okay. Except He's like, what? Was third grade like, marshal your judge? You. <laughs> well, that's how he was acting. Because and this is what he says. That's what that's what he's acting. I'm like, but judge, you know, your honor, what about the three extra tickets? He's like, well, those three tickets are clearly uh, ancillary, and they will be dismissed in the interest of justice. And he stares at me. What? Like he holds them up. He's like, I'm dismissing these in the interest of justice. I'm like, did you just tell me you're ripping up my parking tickets and then follow that sentence with in the interest of justice? At least if you just made a decision that would like in reverberate with the, prophecy, the halls of Congress. If only he said that. <laughs> in accordance with the prophecy. In accordance with the laid down on high. <laughs> many of these long years. Your Honor, John oh Locke said. In his state of nature, man has to park only within this governmental social contract do we remove the right of people to park in one place for more than an hour without a boot. But it's true. It's, it would unjust. be like having a gourmet chef. It would be like having a gourmet chef serving you, like, I don't know, some high-level quality of steak. A celery and sandwich. Like at a McDonald's. You know what a I mean? A celery sandwich. Like in a McDonald's. Like, <laughs> it's just so incongruous. I was like, I was like, and he's just like, in the interest of justice. He was dead serious. And then he actually leans over to his tape you recorder. He has to feel like, good about what he does Let it be known that the honorable justice... Douglas no, Malcolm he did not. is dismissing the ticket in the interest of he justice. He did, did not. He said, let he it be known that. that. He said, let it be known that. That did not happen. Let it be known that. Oh, my God. And then this stenographer the said, so let it be written, so let it be world. done. This guy thinks and he so is it will such be, and so it is. This guy likes himself he a lot. And, and we should all oh get man. free tickets in New York City thought. and go see we this guy. We can create a fan website for this guy. I don't, well, this let's awesome go, let's go see this guy. But here's the thing. Self-perception. Here's the thing, though. He did that, and then I, like, turned around. He did that, and I turned around. I'm like, I'm, I almost, like, looked around, because I thought for a minute maybe I had been, like, magically transported to, like, Washington, D.C., and, like, the late 1700s, and I'm arguing in front of, like, you know, the, the I'm arguing in front John of like, Marshall. the first Supreme Court, you know, like, the, the slavery and <laughs> John Marshall. Yeah. And instead, I look around, and I'm like, and there's, like, these two people who are just sort of staring off into space, and there's one guy looking at me, and I look back, and just, in like, you know, the Honorable Douglas Malcolm is sort of signing something and he's like there you go and he actually says and godspeed <laughs> what godspeed your godspeed have the bailiff slash janitor see you out sir wow <laughs> exactly. night and good luck and that was and may god smile yep. upon you and may the wind at your back always that, be with you yeah wow <laughs> and that was, that was how my ticket was may your cylinders pump vigorously <laughs> Until they do decide to rest <laughs> upon parking spaces in our jurisprudence. Oh man! Oh my God! That's awesome. That, that was awesome. yeah. So, yep, yep. <laughs> but I didn't. Ha I didn't. You know, I didn't. If you had had Douglas Malcolm, you would have won, and you would have like successfully got the cop like removed from his job. Rust. That's what would have happened if you had had Justice Douglas Malcolm. There's, the yeah, there was sort of the problem would have was that my, my judge was basically only equipped to yell things slower in English for all the people who didn't speak English in the courtroom. She's, her, <laughs> her idea of an argument was, can't say not guilty and then start making arguments. Not guilty is the argument. If you say not guilty, but I didn't mean it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, but your honor, I said guilty and I would also like to argue. No, you're guilty. You can't argue. <laughs> We have to listen to like a 45 minute cassette tape about pleas in the arraignment hearing. Arraignment slash hearing. 
It's like, they would know enough for law no order, you think, to be able to make some judgment on it, you know? You'd, you'd think that you they'd be, be able to do something like that. You would be exempt from the death like penalty. So, Sweet! <laughs> you know, shockingly, the, uh, story. the uh, police, <laughs> since I've been in Norway um, over the last week you know, or so in preparation for this conference and everything, I've had a chance to observe different things, and one thing I've noticed is that the police presence is very negligible, and I think part of that Notice is because everyone here is getting extraordinarily friendly. As he's talking about Norway. What I've well, noticed here in Norway yeah, yeah. is that things are really weird, and all <laughs> exactly. the people in this hotel are weird. Yeah, They're they looking at me, man. They're all looking and at me right they now. They're trying to give me salmon. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> but sure. uh, so, really, but don't police, you have a hotel room that you can be doing this from, Greg? Seriously. The one yes, where Clea is sleeping in? I have in? a wife who's sleeping in the hotel room. Yes, mm. that's, that's the hotel room. <laughs> Since it's now four in the morning mm. in Norway when, I, when we're doing this because of my vacation. Greg, I will give you $30 of PokerStars money if you go in there and wake up Clea and make her be part of the rest of the show <laughs> oh, in the middle so of the night. Awesome. The other problem is I have, no, <laughs> I have no wireless internet oh, that access. that is such a great that's idea. The problem is I also have no internet access. I almost $40. Bring her back to the lobby. I'll give you $50. $50. That will not work out. Oh, that's, if that you bring her down happen. in her pajamas to MEP report with you. <laughs> <laughs> Out of a dead I'm glad you'll give you $50, but the answer is no. Out of a dead sleep. I mean, the best um, part would be the waking we'll up, right? You're going yeah. into it, and just her Make reaction. Sure you record that whatever she says uh, while waking up, but she'd actually be, you know, live on the MEP report. That's tremendous. And by live, I mean... That's what we all like, strive to do, actually. We strive to have the whole show be what we sound like when we're incoherently waking up. That would be what great. What do you mean, drive? Oh, yeah. Well, she, she'd be... <laughs> I know, exactly. That's why I always do these at 3 in the morning. Right? Well, she, she'd be like, why are you waking me in up Norway. now? And then she'd be like, are you oh, telling I'm... me that they convinced you this is a good idea? And I was what like, it made doing? so much sense. It made so much like, sense. Greg, what, what are you doing? That's what she'd just say over and over again. I can tell but, uh, what, are you, what are you doing, Greg? No, why? No. Well, the funny thing is, actually, about that, and I, I was thinking about this as I was sitting here going, I can't believe it's 3 or 4 in the morning and we're doing a MEP report. Right. But then I looked out and I noticed that it's already, although it's 4 in the morning, starting to get light again. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, during their summer, wow. there's very, very little darkness in Norway. So, like, it gets dark around 10.30 and it gets light again about 10 minutes to 4, which is 10 minutes after 4. That's which awesome. Which is right now. So it's very, it's very surreal. Well, it's awesome unless you're jet lagged, which is basically what life has been like for me. Like, you can't recover from jet lag out here, you know, without at least a couple weeks under your belt, because you just keep being like, I don't want to go to sleep. It's only, you know, it's three in the afternoon back home, you know. But you you have to, and then you've got the light streaming in on you at like four in the morning over here. But um, but that wasn't what I wanted to talk about. Oh, what I wanted to talk about was the one curious and this thing represents about, justice about Norway that I found. <laughs> and this represents justice. Here's the one curious thing. I've decided that the reason that there's so little crime in Norway, from what I can tell, everyone is extremely friendly. Because there's no darkness. And the reason they need to be I friendly, know why. There's that, no nighttime. Uh, well, they can't thing, sneak around. Yes, so that's number one. The that there's, number one is that there's no cover of darkness <laughs> for crime to occur. That's right. <laughs> Except for the winter when it's all darkness. But then it's then it's too cold to commit crime, so then that you know, that takes care of that. People that's are constantly thing. offering criminals salmon and pistachios and they just <laughs> exactly. sit down and have a dinner instead of committing the crime. But, Sorry. <laughs> but the second thing is is that there's no reason there's no violent crime because there's no reason for anyone to get upset at anything because everyone just sort of accepts everything that occurs. Like as an example. We so started wailing on we're, this person. We're sitting there and we're just like, yes, thank you more. <laughs> no, we were we were, we were waiting we were waiting in line. 
Okay. And this person we saw ahead of us, we were waiting in line. I think this was to get off the ferry because we took a ferry to, to the city that we're in now, Bergen. Right. So we took a ferry there. We're waiting in line to get off the ferry. So first of all, these people did what everyone in every country does, which is the minute they hear that um, the boat has, is arriving at the dock, everyone, even 15 minutes beforehand, will line up. Like, there's no reason to do this. You can't get off the boat for 15 minutes, right. but this is what everybody has to do. Sure. The same thing happens at, like, you know, a baseball game is over. People need to run to the exits. You know, the theater's over. The, even if, like, you knew that, like, the doors were time-released, <laughs> people would still stand in front of the if door. If the theater that's, is that's, over, that's happens, you'd better right? get out pretty fast. That's a good idea. <clears throat> I mean, it's one thing if well, the show okay, ends, I suppose. but if but the you know building I mean, is like, over, like the, we better make a move. The demolition squad is there. <laughs> exactly. They're like, I'm sorry, this theater yeah, will be yeah. over in 15 minutes. I, I would book it out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a good idea. Next time Kurt oh, Knapp puts you that's on that. Fair enough. I guess that's fair enough. Right. I hadn't thought of it though, sir. So, um, so we're waiting in line, and we saw ahead of us, like I guess two spots ahead of us, this person is, you know, is going like sort of leans over to get their bag from where the rail is. Now they clearly were just in line, and they. They clearly were just stepping to get their bag. Like, like if they could have, like, foot there and just sort of stretched right. to get the bag, I'm sure they would have done it. But they just went there. The person turns around, and already, someone had, like, it was the most blatantly okay. obvious thing. It's like he turns around, picks it up, turns back, and the line has been filled. Now, if this happened in America, what would be the likely reaction? Do you think? From if this happened in America, in New like York, if, if he would turn around and someone, it would just be it would probably. be guns blazing time. But even on the West Coast, though, <laughs> it'd be fair though. Even on the West Coast, at least someone would say something, right? Someone would be like, yeah. "Oh, I was in line there." No, or, it wouldn't. I mean, someone would say by, something. Yeah. Sure. If this person, without even a glance, like without even a, without even a, just happily slips back in line, thereby cutting the person behind him, by the way, <laughs> and not seeing anything to the person in front of him, and no one says anything. It's like nothing happened. It's like he's just like, oh, okay, well, guess that didn't work out for me. This guy was a jerk, and then I'll just do that. When we got up to the front of the line, there was a point where someone had, like, someone was, they were helping an older person with their suitcase or whatever down the, the ramp. So they're helping the person, right, and they start moving them down. And so Clea is, you know, taking some room, is giving, is like giving some rooms so that the person has room to be able to get down the ramp. Person right, you mm -hmm. know, to her, to her right, like as sort of feeding into the line, starts walking forward like, oh, that must mean that it's time for me to fill in the spot. Clea, not being Norwegian, <laughs> is like, uh, you know, is like, uh, no, steps forward right in the guy's path. And the guy looks incredibly confused, like, no, no, no. See, what happens is I step in there, and then I cut you in line, but nobody cares because it's Norway and everyone's happy or something, and everyone's friendly, and that's what happens. <laughs> it was like he had no way to handle no, no. Clea's action. Like, Clea's action, it was like feeding a computer, like, is like non sequitur. You know, computers like general protection. Ball. error. Like, they're just like, I, I don't know what, what, what happened. What? Retention so of he spot literally in line. Conflict, around. conflict, er, <laughs> er. Yeah. yeah. He did. He literally turns around. No contest. And, like, steps oh, contest back. found. So this contest found. No contest. Contest. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No contest. <laughs> so you have to imagine that this all happening within like a ten sec like a five right. second period. Like sure. he steps in. She wa steps forward. He turns around and goes back to square one, and then turns around again. Like sorry, error. And then his head Let's explodes. Base reset. And then he's stuck smoking. in an infinite regress where he keeps. Like going back into the spot and out of it and back and out of it and it's like get exactly. It was like a bump and go car. Exactly. So that's what I've concluded. There's no crime in Norway because Norwegians just 
just do things to each other and nobody cares about it. So like, really oh, there is every bit as much crime in Norway. Enjoy the fjord. They just don't classify it as crime. Like people kill and shoot each other all the time. Exactly. Well, no, they charges is the thing. And they're just like, they're like oh, that okay, happened. that happened. Well, he just murdered your right. daughter. Are you well, going to file charges? No, I'm not going to file charges. It's fine. He's like, he's like okay, <laughs> he's no like, daughter. Look, no contest. No contest. All right. But there are no fines. That is the new point. There's no fights. It's the country of no retaliations. Nobody retaliates. Nobody does anything to anybody. They're just like, ah, oh, well, that happens. Take it's someone's amazing. wallet. Really, Have your wallet really taken. Is. Nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. Nobody they they does think it all evens out. If I get my wallet taken, I take it someone does all else's, even and out. everyone's okay with that. Yeah. Sure. It's really true. You know, that's it's fine. a wonderful way to deal with things. And it's it works for capitalism, <laughs> exactly. right? So might as well play. Sure. I know, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. So they've come a long way. I think what it is is they're compensating for their Viking heritage. You know, the Vikings would, like, attack people for absolutely no reason. Right. And then the, oh, and by the way, their attitude towards the Vikings is also extremely funny because they keep trying to emphasize, like, they start by emphasizing how many things the Vikings did that didn't involve pillaging, and then they immediately fall back to pillaging because that's obviously more interesting. Right. So, like, the thing about the Vikings is the Vikings did other things besides pillaging. The Vikings were also hunters and gatherers. But, you know, the Vikings also pillaged the following 25 churches and destroyed the following 65. Countries, <laughs> they realize they're like people are they like also hunting, gathering, so boring, falling asleep. And they're like, okay, sword play, <laughs> death. They also destroyed people. Like, oh, yeah. good, violence, good. Where were we? What? I'm awake. They gathered the charred <laughs> remains of so, yeah. any corpses while they were gathering exactly. in the villages yeah. that they burned to the ground. They gathered these things. <laughs> yeah, really. But enough about hunting, gathering. Have I told you the people they raped and killed? Yeah. Oh, boy, such a story. The pro-Viking um, <laughs> Revisionist History Committee has really got their work cut out for them. They're just like, okay. But it's, <laughs> oh, it's a little known that they actually really advanced the science of snail cultivation. They really did some groundbreaking work here that, you know, for 1100, I mean, it was amazing. No one had snails like the Vikings. It's true. That's a great contribution oh, to humanity. You Could you just imagine, forgotten immediately. Can you imagine a brigade of Vikings cheering on like a snail race? Be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like wielding, throwing their axes in the air as the snails go. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I really can't. I really just see impatience followed by impaled snail. I really don't go, see. It's like the, <laughs> the story. Snail. smart Somebody. snail versus the snelt exactly. snail. Smart exactly. snail, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny that story mentions the thing about the tourist the tourist board because they actually have a couple of, I've seen it a couple of times on a postcard and a poster they have what they view as the condensed method of the Viking way and the Viking way it consists of like the most pop culture it's like Work in a team. Work together <laughs> for a common goal. Have have a leader that you can lead. You know, choose a facilitator. Um, listen Rotate to the group. To facilitate uh, each share time. with others. Spend this time. Cut with yourself I'm next like, time with axes. Yeah. This could have been like replaced How with like an IBM corporate model, and it would fit the same way. You know, it's oh, like yeah. you know, work together, listen to everyone, enjoy yourselves, have fun. You know, like. Like, I don't think that's what the Vikings Burn did. infidels. A lot of, really. Yes. <laughs> if you are a supervisor, demonstrate appreciation for your employees. Give them an extra cut of the pillage. Offer them a village. <laughs> Offer them five unprotected women instead of four. This will help, you know, really, really increase morale over the long run. And you might be in line for a promotion. Yeah. Hey, speaking of unprotected women... <laughs> Yeah. I went on two more J-dates last week. Awesome. <laughs> oh, God. Tremendous. They're unprotected, are they? <laughs> they had no chance yes. to survive. Make this was time. actually the tail end of my uh, Angry Man 
profile. Arrogant the jerk. arrogant jerk yeah. guy. Okay. Which was unbelievably popular with the ladies, I have to say. I could not believe the responses I was Open getting. It was like, I, w- I had like seven IM windows open at once with J-daters. One of which would IM me being like, you know, I kind of like your pictures, but you seem like a tremendously huge jerk, and why would I ever want to talk to you? I'm like, sorry, you're lost. I, this is actually the most popular thing I've ever done. <laughs> she's like, to meet her off. Uh, she's awesome. like, whatever. Yeah, I could totally, like, people would call me up on the thing, and I'm like, yeah, so? I wrote a jerky profile. Are we done here? She's like, sorry. I'm like, you should be. Now, now leave. Leave me. It was really fun playing into the character. I really enjoyed it. Um, really sort of turned the tables on the whole thing. will always be a video game. Yes. Great. Very true. So I went on two dates uh, with two different 23-year-old actresses, uh, which was interesting. The first one well, was fairly uneventful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was pretty uneventful, except that I invited her to a sushi restaurant that no longer exists because I looked it up on Google and it's long since closed. And since I didn't have a cell phone, it got kind of complicated. And, I, and that was awkward. Yeah. I had to You're go like, into like well, a thousand year old phone booth we, in an old theater. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, you know. I, uh, I'm an arrogant uh, jerk. What do you expect? Uh, I'm a Hong jerk. Going I invite well, you to stupid you things. <laughs> I thought it was going well. Hey. I thought we were really hitting it off. Yeah. So, and then we ate, and it was fine after we got together like a half hour later. But it was the most compelling argument to get a cell phone in a long time for me, which was the meeting people in new places out, out on the town is very difficult without cell phones if, if something goes wrong. And that is, that is a valid yes. argument, I will admit. Even if you have That's to kill a, a few point. bees, you want to meet your date. I think, I think most people would sacrifice the lives of a half a dozen bees to not lose out on their date, which is a shame, but might right. be true. So, <laughs> the other date, we went bowling. Um, it was immediately apparent that there was no chemistry. Um, I was bowling like a fiend, though, so I didn't care. And I discovered a new bowling alley. I'm like, oh my god, a bowling alley in L.A. where it's not crowded and sweaty and crappy and $1,000 a game. And then, um, <laughs> so we you know, wanted to hang out a little more. We decided to go to the, uh, the ice rink that was next door to the bowling alley. And so we didn't want the date to end, even though neither of us were having a particularly okay. good time. We're like, ah, we drove a lot. We may as well keep going. <laughs> so okay, we walk into the ice skating rink, and we're like, yes, we'd like to skate, please. The guy's like, great. What are your sizes? I'm like, and she's like, blah. And then we're like waiting to pay, <laughs> like, and then he, s- long, he slowly <laughs> he slowly starts telling us that talking about this party of people. He's like, yeah, well, some people got here early, but uh, the party's been going for a while, and we're like. Party? We're not. And he's like, "Oh, no, we don't have open skating. No, we don't have that. That's uh, they have a private party going in there." And I'm like, "Oh, that's too bad." And when are you open? He's like, "Oh, well, normally we're open." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Haha, I was just kidding. We're actually part of the party." He's like, "Oh, you <laughs> kidder. Okay, let me get your skates." <laughs> I was like, "Really? Did you just buy that?" <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so we gave yeah, us skates, did, huh? and that's so we we walk in. I immediately made up an alias because I was having fun, whether this date was going to have fun with me or not. And I was like, I'm Austin for the rest of the night. So I was introducing myself to people as Austin while I put on my skates. And she kept looking at me weird when I called myself Austin. I'm like, don't you understand what happens when you crash things that you have to make up an alias because it's fun? As in the movie Wedding Crashers? And she's it's like, like half should the I stop fun, passing man. my credit card around? Should I stop giving out my yes. security <laughs> number? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why are you telling them your real <laughs> yeah. name? Five, Moreover, five, like, one. if we already Turns had a crappy date... Boyfriend. 
Yeah, maybe she would have a better date with Austin than she did with Russ. Russ didn't work out very well, so how about <laughs> try Austin out in the ice rink for a while? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went skating, which I yeah, haven't done quality. in 15 years, and was very dangerously bad at, and uh, almost killed myself several times. was in pain, and uh, she kept skating in the middle and like waiting for me to hold her hand in the middle. I'm like, there's no way I'm going in the middle. I'm going to kill myself out there. There's no refuge. There's nowhere to go. And so she kept, like, calling me chicken and stuff. So finally, you know, I go out in the middle, just trying to stay on two feet, and predictably, like, I take a spill on my ass to the amusement of all these people who didn't know me, but thought that I was a friend of somebody or others. And then, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm done, man. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah. I know. It, well, the great part was often. we made friends right away with one guy, this guy Rob, and we started chatting with him. And then later we actually got, they found out, or somebody said, who were those two people? And so the girl whose party was for her, she came up to us and was like, hi, do I know you? And I'm like, well, you know, Rob said that we should skate for a little bit. So uh, we just, you know, decided to go out there. She's like, oh, you're with Rob. Okay, great. All right, fantastic. And I'm like, yes, this is so stupidly easy. <laughs> Nobody is suspicious at all, ever. You guys <laughs> suck. Right. You didn't know Why that there was you Rob. More suspicious? You just made up the name Rob. And you then you pulled out an AK and made them all sorry that they had trusted It was you. so stupidly yeah. easy. It was actually a goth club, too, by the way. These were all, like, goth people. They all wore black and knew each other from I weird bet you music clubs. Right in. The funny, the the attendant said that we looked exactly like the people at the party, by which I guess he meant like Caucasian, because otherwise we really didn't. But maybe Austin did. Austin and his J date, even though Austin is clearly not Jewish. And then you know, part of the the date going bad thing was that this girl was not only not interested in me, but far more interested in every other male in the vicinity, anywhere, in the bowling alley, in the ice rink. She literally, like, we were in the arcade after we went bowling, and this guy did this really complicated dance-dance revolution routine, and she walked up to him after he was done and gave him this big hug and was, like, cavelling over how good his dance-dance revolution was. I'm like, really? I, I pay for everything. I bought you the beers and bowling, and you're hugging the dance-dance revolution stranger? Okay, I see how it is. I understand. <laughs> Maybe she was just trying to make Arrogant Jerk jealous, you know? Maybe that's how she thinks she Maybe. gets through to an that's Arrogant Jerk. Didn't succeed. Jerk, jerk revolution. I mean, yeah, I gotta say, what do jerk, jerk I'm gonna ditch you. I'm gonna hit you with the face, kick the dance dance revolution guy, and um, throw out racial I gotta slurs. Say, Russ, that's the, that's the is, jerk jerk revolution trifecta. This is sort of the backslap end of the arrogant jerk profile getting you dates thing. Is that then you all bets are sort of off they on people treating you like a reasonable person. <laughs> like, you aren't Russ anymore. You might as well be Austin. You might as well be some random guy or some jerky jerk because you're going to get this predilection of, you know, sure. assumption of like, well, he deserves it. I can be an asshole. He's a jerk. An well, jerk. fair enough. Good point. And so Good I won. It was very much a self-fulfilling prophecy because then right. we went to the ice rink and one. predictably she went off and held hands with Rob or some other random goth ice skating people. And I'm like, really? He you're ditching me for this guy you met two seconds ago already? We just got here? And, I'm, and so basically, after the first lap where I fell down, I told her, like, I'm done. And we didn't even have much of a discussion. She was already ready to go flying out on the ice again. She could care less what I was doing. And I'm like, I'm done. She's like, okay, bye. And then she went skating again. And so I left. I fucking left her there. I'm like, take that. Now you can be friends with the goth people because I'm done. And not only was I done skating, but I left <laughs> and I went home. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was a, a total bizarre, dick move, but, but, but I, I kind of awesome. feel like she... How could she not expect me to leave after she's just, like, going off with random people in the middle of our date several times? Come on. How strong a signal is that? Yeah. Pretty strong. 
I think you guys pretty much had proven that you weren't um, really going to be buying China sets anytime soon. Compatibility oh, this, was not really. This this happen. reminds me. This reminds me, Russ, of something that I meant to bring up bring up a week ago. But uh, I saw I was watching TV and there was this commercial for eHarm or not for eHarmony. There was this commercial making fun of eHarmony where they basically said, you know, there's this random woman who comes on the screen and is like, so I went to eHarmony and like answered 1,700 questions. And the, you know, she's really literally like this on the commercial and answered like 1,700 mm-hmm. questions. And then after all that, they told me that they couldn't find a match for me, that, they, that I couldn't use their service. Can't a girl just find some love? And then it was like, you know, E. Charmony or something. But uh, clearly Boom. the word is out that uh, E. Harmony turned some people down. And, uh, and it's, it's in, at least in that commercial, presented as a drawback that uh, they can't cookie-cutter everyone's life together. One of the very I, few I businesses like, that will not accept your money enjoy. in some circumstances. Exactly. We just take but, my money. No, we won't take your money. But why? Right. Because uh, we don't feel like it. So clearly I'm led to believe that you should find this girl on the commercial and track her down and she's your match. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense, it. right? Yeah. If 20% exactly. of the, the people reject. on eHarmony are rejected, right. shouldn't they just put the reject pile into its own dating pile and those people should go out with each other? Isn't but that the obvious solution there? they're all rejected for very different and strange reasons. And, like, you'll end up with the axe murderer <laughs> because they don't want to be responsible for putting the axe murderer with anyone and they don't want to be responsible for trying to fulfill your creative of intellectuality so you know they, oh, they, they probably still have a better match the rate the than with the there. pool of sheep look I mean, if you're maybe, eliminating the, the strange people the outsiders <laughs> from the sheep I think the outsiders at least are going to have a better chance with each other than with the sheep so you should still be able to charge for that service I think yeah but is that really what you want to get involved in is that really what you want to get oh yeah to? I want a random pile of non-sheep to date that's what <laughs> I want <laughs> Better than a random, random assortment. I, uh, I'll say that. Yeah. Better than I'm the New Zealand. Sure I'm going less specific about all this. Or how Jane we ended up far this. too specific. Is this because I'm in Norway? There's like joke lag? Yes. Am I missing? Yes. Am I... What? Exactly. Sheep? What? How did this happen? Sheep? Oh, yeah, that happens there, I guess. Yeah. Why they're not as advanced a nation. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's funny. I just was... I was just not... I was having trouble following sheep and how you ended up with non-sheep. I mean... Well, non-sheep, I think, yeah. would be preferable to sheep, so there I'm good. Okay. Wait, do you have a lumber? Right, but I mean, like... That, I that have an ore. Can I have a sheep? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, board game references. Uh, awesome. Uh, He's doing settlers. At least four of you got that. Admit it. Admit it. Wave your hand. Woo. If you're driving out there, I know you got I've got, got one brick and two wood. Exactly. I can make a road. Exactly. But with a sheep, you can make a road with a sheep walking on it. Wow. <laughs> oh, does, this, does this rhyme with bettlers, bettlers of Kachan? Does it, does it happen to rhyme with yes. that? Yes. Not chance? quite. Only if okay. it really... In fact, it does. All right. All the sort of How about it. I stop uh, telling stories and I bring just... up an actual subject of conversation? That is not a story. Uh, Jerry Falwell, <laughs> and that is died this week oh, okay. or last Indeed. week. Yes, yes. And uh, I don't know if you guys yes. saw one of my brand new favorite public figures, uh, Christopher Hitchens, who was all over the news because basically he was on CNN and he just tore Jerry Falwell a new asshole the day after he died. He eulogized him by calling him like a big ignorant homophobic asshole of a freak. It was awesome. Quite the courage. I didn't see that, although I did a very I'd good seen job. him on the Daily Show, so he was, and that was before Falwell had actually died. So, um, so incidentally, like one of that? the best speakers I've ever seen that is also a celebrity. 
he's a legitimately intelligent, good speaker. The sort of person. Yeah. I've actually been like downloading YouTube clips of him doing public debates at like the University of Toronto and he's kind of one of our ilk. He's one of these people you would definitely see at a debate tournament, very similar. He wrote this new book about atheism called um what is it called? Something about Oh God is No not God great. Yes. God is not great, thank you. Yes. So Yep. yep. I find an interesting guy. I don't agree with everything show. that he says, but I definitely appreciate his uh, forthrightness, and he actually gave the finger to uh, Bill Maher's audience when he was on Real Time with Bill Maher, because... He did. He, about half of what he says is supported by, like, the standard Bill Maher audience, and half isn't, and so when they start booing him, then uh, he gave him the finger. It was awesome. He does a good job. I'm sure that went over real well. Well, how do you guys feel about that after... I mean, you know, people say you're not supposed to speak ill of someone right after they die, but what if... What if they were Hitler? That if someone was, you know, a mass, you know, was an axe murderer, you know, after he dies, it doesn't make him a nice person because he died. I mean, he's still an axe murderer. I, I don't, you know, frankly, I think Falwell was more was more irrelevant than harmful towards the end of his life. I mean, I, I don't, okay, he died, you know. I mean, he's, Pat Robertson, I think, is more destructive, really, in a lot of ways than Falwell was. Um, and so, you know, I mean... It's it's generally too I mean, bad. I mean, Falwell said some die, incredibly heinous things. Specific thing about Falwell thing. Yeah, he did. Like that True. the the Antichrist is alive and he's a Jew. Uh, like the AIDS is you know the wrath of God on homosexuals. Um, the, that nine we deserve nine oh, yeah. eleven not because of political reasons, but we deserve it because we're a country of feminists and liberals and homosexuals. That's like stuff like that. I mean, that's pretty bad. I guess for me, the sort of raving lunatic fringe of the religious right has been so obvious for so long that it's it's hard to really... It's, it's not insidious anymore. You know, the fact that they got one of their own elected in Bush, and, you know, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. Like, it's so not shocking to me anymore that I just sort of... Like, how shocked can I be that the guy managed to throw the sixth red ball in the air and still catch it after I've seen it happen a hundred times? You know, like, okay, great, he caught the red ball. Well... Jerry Falwell was a bigot. It's, it's not shocking to me. So, you know, I certainly, I, yeah. I don't wish, as you guys know, I pretty much don't wish for bad things to happen to people on general principles. But the fact that Falwell died doesn't make him a better person than he was when he was alive. It's just I don't think that's very surprising, you know, to me. It's like he was irrelevant and idiotic for a long time. So his death didn't increase his importance in my mind. I dismissed him years ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I found out at work, and, you know, I work with a bunch of sort of very like-minded people politically, um, being, you know, working for a progressive Shockingly. social services <laughs> yeah, agency in, in the middle of San Francisco, you know, that was like the first, you know, affiliated to the extent that it was affiliated with religion, was affiliated with like the first Methodist church in America to recognize homosexuality as acceptable and things like that. So, you know, uh, end yep. up with a lot of people who I don't have to argue with very much about politics. And, you know, someone brought up uh, Jerry Falwell died, and we just all sort of were in the room and looked at each other and I don't think anybody said anything and then I was kind of like okay that happened like it was like the most ineffectual event <laughs> ever it was just like that happened you know I care not in the slightest one way or the other you know and I mean it's very hard for me to come up with like I, it's just positive reactions to death no matter how bad the person was probably even Hitler it, it, there's just something very disturbing to me about that not surprisingly as a pacifist and someone who you know like 
I, I, I feel like if that. you react, well, it's not that his death didn't come by violence, yeah. though. That shouldn't be relevant. No. Well, but uh, you know, it's it's in a similar. I think it's in a similar vein that, like, you know, I feel like if you're going to be cheered or heartened by somebody's death, you sort of have to believe that they should get the death penalty for whatever heinous things that they've done. And I don't really believe in in things being meted out that way. I don't believe in justice by death. I think that you know people are can be really foul and really awful, and they should stop doing foul and awful things, but not because of death. Yeah. So, you know, well, what like, about the absence of revenge in the theory? What if it's just you removing a harmful influence by his own death, whether it was you know, violent or yeah, not? But, I would rather try to engage the, the person and get them to change. You know, like that's much more interesting to me than, you know, okay, now they died. It's it's kind of like winning by default, even at that very neutral level. It's like, okay, great. You know, like some random thing happened that took him out of the ball game instead of having to, you know, yeah. out-convince him or out-win him. So, you know, I mean... Plus, also, yeah. I think ambivalence is a better way to respond to it anyway, don't you? I mean, I think that sort of the reaction in this case is just like, eh. I think the eh is a much bigger indictment of how insignificant this man was, right. this very petty little man, than, than sort of, you know, openly, like, you know, good, we've removed a negative influence. Our extended discussion like, as I about say, it. That also if, shows how insignificant mm-hmm. the event is. Yeah, that, that, well, <laughs> you know, that's true. Well, I mean, the, you know, the other thing, though, I think that played into it. Specifically, he's talking about the subject generally, right? So I know. I'm was that Hitchens' appearance on the show was in response to, like, gushing eulogy after eulogy about what a great man he was and all these wonderful things that he did. So I think that to some extent he wanted to provide a counterpoint to that and not just be like, all these people have said so many wonderful things about Jerry Falwell. I say, eh. That doesn't really seem to know, get his though. point across. I don't think about. he was saying, eh. like, and I also felt like the media was being really weird about it. You know, like it wasn't like, you know, random Iraqi we've decided to dislike for their political reasons. It wasn't that happy about them, the person dying, but you know, it was sort of <laughs> like it was definitely in the ballpark of like, you know, oh, I agree with his that. legacy, it was mixed, yeah. his legacy is Teletubbies, and it's like that's the eulogy, you know, or like he really went after the Teletubbies for no reason, and you know, I mean, these are things that are true, but it's just sort of weird of like, you know, this is I mean, how we're honestly, going to quote-unquote mourn him so i think the media was a lot more mixed than like it wasn't like the ronald reagan show went on and you know oh the greatest i was just gonna say that like the the, i was just gonna (laughs) say that i was much more disgusted by ronald reagan who did more damage than any president since uh well george bush now um (laughs) but i mean he was far more damaging to society and you know my father always used to say and you know i never really went this far but my father always used to say about reagan that you know when he got alzheimer's and everything my father was always like it's hard for me to feel sorry for that guy he did a lot of damage and that's that's coming from my father that's pretty extreme but i mean that's how he felt about it and i know there were a lot of people in baltimore and inner cities of new york and a lot of other places that didn't weep tears when reagan went through it so yeah but yeah we well, needed maybe, a counterpoint you know, reagan a better example then, but. where was hitch then yeah yeah where was hitch then? The yeah, exactly. media, when the media had their 10 day <clears throat> yeah 10 day weepy fest for no reason. Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, oh. I think that brings up, maybe that's a better example for the argument then. Okay, let's say you're in the Republican debate for some odd reason. And you're like the Ron Paul guy. You're the guy who's right, providing sure. the counterpoint to everyone's uh-huh. point, and you're just completely contradicting everyone else. Then isn't it right. incumbent upon you, in this forum where everyone is like, Reagan is the greatest thing since sliced bread, for you to say, actually, Reagan sucked? And let's say Reagan had died like a week before... Or no, it doesn't matter when he died. You're still speaking ill of right. the dead, right? So sure. is that a more I appropriate guess. time to speak ill of the dead? Well, I do think timing but, has something I mean, to do with it, because I think that people... Right. 
like the mourning period, there's definitely a wearing off and a tapering off of how people feel about it, you know, even two months later, let alone years Like, for example, later. the Vikings. People aren't as <laughs> upset about the Vikings anymore. They've kind of gotten over it. Speak for yourself. Or even the people the Vikings killed. <laughs> Not such a big yeah, deal. It's, it's rough. 2,000 years later. They died later. in 1,400, you know? Exactly. Right, right. They probably would have passed away by now anyway. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, so w- let's say it's the week right. of week of Reagan's death. Okay. And everyone is saying what a wonderful person, how we should all set his example yeah. above all others. But I mean, I feel is like it appropriate to say he was a suckhead? He's such a vitriolic guy. I don't know. He's just gone. I feel like he's gone off the deep end lately with this book and everything. He's just turned into like, I will poke. Well, a lot of it's just to make money. By I will poke making attention. With a stick. Badgers oh, good. with a stick. Yeah, that's better. Badgers with a stick. You know. So, I wouldn't have ever. I don't think I'd approach anything in life the way Christopher Hitchens does. I think that's a pretty safe statement for me to make. But, you know, certainly. <laughs> I wouldn't shy away from, you know, saying, well, this legacy, because I did say it at the time. I posted about it in my blog, and, you know, I, if I had had a larger ov- audience, I would have said, well, really? Reagan? Really? This much? Really? I mean, he was a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was but, male. Really? That's yeah. true. So. All right. Yeah. So you do agree so, with that. You just won't do it yeah, in a hateful, vitriolic sense. The vitriol just be or like, the celebrating. Eh. And I wouldn't say, I'm eh. glad he's dead. I'm glad that his already decayed brain actually got electrically unplugged. Like, I would never say that. Why would I, why would I say that? I mean, he was barely uh, alive anyway. You know, why would, I, why would I say that? I mean, that's just true, right? Like, you want to talk about harm paradigm. Would you be glad that he got Alzheimer's? Can he do more harm, you know? But, uh, no, I mean, no... You can't be glad that somebody... I mean, you can, but... I mean, the only thing Alzheimer's did was make him <laughs> more convincing that he he really had for had forgotten everything in the Iran-Contra thing. It's like, yeah. Mm. But, um, no, I don't know. At the time. I, sure. I don't know. There's a very low threshold of things that you can be happy about other people's direct harm, I think, in my world, in my, in my ethos. Very, very little. I mean, in some ways, you know, suffering is almost worse than death. Some ways, or something to you know. To be, to be I feel like there's another it. story, Clayton, that would say that would kind of rejoice when bad things happen to America, even though you hold this sort of mindset, I and mean, you would sort of feel, feel like, like it was get, justice. Uh, th- th- I mean, I definitely. It's a lot easier to feel that way about a society than about individuals, right? And maybe there's a lesson that I could teach myself in that, <laughs> being able to express it this way. But, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, but, like, like, I definitely feel like if collectively America got knocked on its ass and got, you know, really had to understand what the rest of the world deals with on a daily basis and had to experience that, that would be very good for America. But on any individual level, it would be like, oh, that's kind of sad that that happened to your life. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely wrestle with that issue. I definitely see see what you're talking Story about. Story Clayton, kind of sad about bad things that happen in your life. It's comforting for me to know that when something bad happens that you're kind of like, huh, that was kind of bad. I'm, that's, well, that's, I mean, I'm serious. Like, you're, there's kind of <laughs> you're okay. Serious. How about something you get when you have a cyborg? You have here, a but, uh, here's a specific no, example you for you. <laughs> Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. At the end of the Shawshank uh, Redemption, uh, yeah. When Warden Norton opens up his safe right. 
and he's like, yeah. there's a Bible and not my files, and he opens it up, and right. it says, salvation lies within, and he said, oh, snap, yeah. now I have to kill myself, because Andy got the best of me. But you like that part, don't himself. you? Don't you like that part of the movie? You like it. I don't like that, that he kills himself, him. actually. I would much rather see him see him face up to his deeds and come face to face with everything else in his it life. Much more fit okay, but even though, even it? if just the bad thing that happened to him was that oh, he would I have mean, to go I'm to jail now and he would lose his job and lose his life and all that stuff, that would, you would still like that part. Person. <sighs> yeah, I mean, sure. And yeah. Like, but there's a big part of that that's like he can no longer perpetrate these injustices, right? And he now has to face what he's done in some way and know that he didn't get away with it, right? Like, which is very different than, like, just abject suffering. Like, if instead of Andy getting the best of him and justice coming out, he had just gotten gonorrhea, you know, and suffered a lot. Randomly. Like, I, I don't think I would, you know, yeah, just apropos of nothing. You know, I don't think I'd be like, yes, this that would be a great. very compelling justice movie. somehow comes through, you know? But and that's Andy what we're made sort of talking Mexico. about, of, like... Well, Epilogue. Abject. Warden Norton got gonorrhea and lived <laughs> exactly. unhappily for the next 20 yeah. years. <laughs> and he really suffered, you know, and there was painful burning. Like, that's, you know, like, no, I don't think I'm going to celebrate that. It's, you know, there's there has to be some value and some, you know, redemption or some reasonable betterness coming out of, you know, yes. But he's also, he's not suffering from some, like, abject random problem like Alzheimer's. That was the example you gave of, like, suddenly he gets Alzheimer's. I mean, that, for people like that who might have a conscience and do terrible things to people, Alzheimer's, if anything, is a relief. Like, for Ronald Reagan, I'm going to go on the record, I think Alzheimer's was a relief for Ronald Reagan. He no longer had to face his hypocrisy. He no longer had to face anything that he had done to people and all of the the wrongs that had perpetrated. He didn't have to see a generation of homeless people that he created and sent out on the street. He just got to, you know, have it all replaced by Hayes and ask people their names four times in a row. Like, you know, he wins. Like, that's, that's a positive outcome for Mr. Reagan, you know, unless any shred of conscientiousness had already died before that. And that's possible, too. You know, so it's, and there's, right. a, there's a big difference between, like, being shown up and having to face publicly the reality of your acts and deeds that were wrong and you know bad what crap if happened to come Jerry on. Falwell had gotten yeah. AIDS and had to publicly announce that he was dying of AIDS after saying that it was God's wrath upon the homosexuals from Ronald from Ronald Reagan he got this <laughs> Yes, he got, he got it from, from Ronald, Ronald Reagan, Reagan. Just for special extra <laughs> irony. Ronald Reagan did not recall <laughs> yes. how that happened. Oh, um, I, I mean, it was homosexual yeah. presidential transmission. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that watching that press conference would not have some value. You know, of like having, how are you going to wrestle with this one? How are you going to deal with this, Jerry? Uh, you know, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's something there. Is it the best part of mm -hmm. me? No. And, you know, but I don't necessarily... But it's not, the, it's not the suffering I like. It's maybe the irony. It's the, you know, as, a, as an aspiring author. That's maybe what so I like So you're okay with retribution you know, or, as long as it's ironic in nature? Well, and nonviolent. <laughs> Certainly it has to be nonviolent. That's, All right, that's diseases terrible. are not violence, you know, you know, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of irony and nonviolence, guys, I should say that we <laughs> are uh, over time, and uh, we 
there's a Viking oh, in my hallway, and I don't want to be a friend of the act. Oh, am I supposed to keep time and record the show? How many jobs do I yeah, have Yeah, I know, here? I know. Well, Jesus well, Christ. You guys were in a roll. I mean, so you guys were in a roll, so I figured that we would go through it. We want right. to thank everyone, as always, for listening, and uh, appreciate putting up with my terrible volume and whatever, and I will be uh, back in stateside next week. But um, until then, uh, we hope everyone's doing well, and uh, keep listening and telling friends. And um, thanks to everyone out there, and say goodbye, everybody. Take care. Actually, the Mep Report was created by God to fight off AIDS and uh, feminism. Some things I think it's, they it's might be right. God's ironic satire. We will not protect you. We're out in the streets. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron. Please support the Mep Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for Mep link on the Mep Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at MepReport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu plants. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross. And if that's the case, then my life's a waste Cause there's nothing left to live for But tomorrow And tomorrow's just another day away